here's to courageous pioneers who understand a legacy is multifaceted. Welcome to our Legacy Planning Podcast, a podcast for leaders and visionaries of all ages. Whether you are an independent entrepreneur or someone who is part of a family business, you too can leave something of value behind for a greater purpose. Perhaps your legacy will improve workplace cultures, seize authentic moments, or inspire others with your talent. Your host, Angelina Carlton, is the founder of Design Your Legacy, a boutique advisory firm based in Beverly Hills, California. She is a mentor and coach to leaders like you and has contributed to Alliance, a philanthropy magazine, as well as to women in family business. She has been recognized by Los Angeles Biz as an LA woman of influence, as well as by World HRD Congress for her work. Remember, you deserve great coaching because your legacy is worth completing. Good morning. My name is Angelina Carlson. I'm the founder of Legacy Planning, a boutique coaching and advisory firm that helps you define, develop, and execute your personal legacy. This morning, I have the pleasure of introducing Raiden Stansel. He is a best-selling author, as well as the founder of Peace of Mind Wealth Management, a firm committed to helping individuals retire with excellence. As the co-host of the Secure Your Retirement Show, his insights have been featured in Forbes, Newsweek, Fox, ABC, NBC, and the Wall Street Journal. With over 25 years of experience, Raiden is an award-winning advisor who is highly sought after to work with, whether it's executives, business owners, engineers, pharmaceutical professionals, and much more. Raiden's father was 52 years old when he was born. Having an older father that was born during the Great Depression had an impact on how he thinks. His father shared stories of what it was like to see a car for the first time, and the privilege to have ice delivered to their house. Raiden's father instilled in him a work ethic and an understanding of the value to save for the future. Welcome, Raiden. Thank you so much. I appreciate you uh, having me on your podcast. It is my delight. And just as I've had some other financial planners, I think each one of you brings a certain inspiration, a certain education, and a, a knowledge that you know from the the work of what I might call walking the floor, working directly with customers over the years, that every bit of knowledge helps as we move forward, whether we're those millennials that we talked about in that Wall Street Journal article, or we're close to retirement, or we've already found ourselves in retirement. Yeah, I would imagine. Yeah, I, I always say that, you know, financial advisors, there's a lot of different um, uh, focuses, if you want to say it that way. Uh, our focus is with the pre-retiree to retiree, uh, but we I have many friends that are financial advisors that focus on different aspects of different groups of people, and it's always interesting to have those kind of conversations. Wonderful. Well, I thought this morning I might start with the title of your business, which is the peace of mind uh, part of your business entity, because what I have found in talking with clients is one of the things that they want most of all is that peace of mind, or when they think about their tombstone one day, it says rest in peace. And it's this spiritual craving, or maybe it's an emotional or mental craving to find that peace when they, they find, find themselves in a hectic world today. So what say you? Well, uh, to give you the background, I've been doing this for a little over 20 years. The previous name was Diversified Estate Services. Now I came up with that name 20 something years ago and at the time, my brain said, we kind of help you with all these different things around your estate. But the more and more the internet became popular and people began searching, a lot of people thought we were estate planners. 
So I went through this whole process where we actually came up with a few different uh, topics and we sat down with some of our clients and we started interviewing them and talking to them about some of the different, what we, what we were trying to do with a rebrand. And the peace of mind kind of really came up out of that conversation because uh, when a person goes from working for decades to now being in retirement, it is stressful. Uh, I will tell you that no matter how much money somebody has, they are still worried about running out of it. Um, and so they just wanted to be able to relax. And they said, we need to have help. And that's what you guys provide. You provide us help to think through all these different moving parts. And that's what we want. And, you know, so we, we didn't want to be called the sleep at well, sleep well at uh, night financial wealth firm, you know, we, so we came up with this idea of what is it we try to provide. And we felt like peace of mind is really the, the essence of it. And ever since we did that, um, we did that the first of, uh, of 2020, uh, and then all of a sudden a pandemic came. And so we had to work very hard to make sure that we were still able to provide that peace of mind. So our clients today say that it's the perfect name. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. And I realize also uh, one of the things you talked about is a client will know how to navigate their office floor, but can they navigate their retirement? Yes. Because if they, if they have taken on a role for, for many decades that they are a certain, let's say they work at the post office or whatever that role is, and they put on that uniform and that is their identity. Now they walk away from that. And, and I think a lot of times when we have, um, uh, how do I say it, a framework around or a structure around our life, whether that's what high school provided, university, and then we find ourselves at a place of how do we take personal agency for our life when there's no longer those handrails there? I 100% agree. I think a lot of times people are trying to figure out who are they once they retire and, and what is their identity because they've always been whatever their professional career is, that that's who they were. You know, you say, hey, what are you? I'm a I'm a, I'm a doctor. I'm a I'm a, an, an engineer, I'm a whatever my am, that's how you answer. So now you get retired and you say, what am I? Well, I'm retired. You know, it's, it's, it, most people are trying to figure that out. Like what are, what is going to be their identity in retirement? Right, right. So I almost thought about calling our conversation, getting your legacy in order, because you've been um, very um, influential and adamant in terms of asking your clients to look at their numbers and also to very, um, how do I say it, get to know the fundamentals regarding what they need to know. Where might you start? Uh, a listener or a viewer today, and a lot of my viewers of this podcast are under age 40, um, or they just don't know and they're exploring the subject of legacy for the first time. Where might you start when it comes to fundamentals? So let me ask a clarifying question for my own part. When you talk about that fundamentals, are you talking about financially or just as a person? How about we do both? Because right. I think the yeah. curious minds today, they're hungry for knowledge. Yeah. So, so the, the reason why I say that is, you know, and I'll just kind of do the money part first okay. uh, in, a, in a little bit of a way. A lot of people have read articles. There's tons of articles out there. People ask this question all the time. How much money do I need to retire? Okay. And they're looking at, they have this goal in their head. They're saying, I need to figure out how to get this, whatever this is, okay. a million, two million, whatever that is. So if you're talking about a 40-year-old okay. and they're looking out and most, by the way, start saving at age 40. Most are not saving until they're about 40. Okay. So now they start saving and they go, oh my goodness, I got to have $2 million, $3 million or whatever that amount is. And, uh, and why do you think retire. that is? Why do you think that 40 mark, age marker, why do you think that is? I think, well, okay, so we, we know this. I mean, younger people, are, and as you, you start going to work and you start doing that, most people are just like, hey, I finally got some income coming in and we are 
I think, trained as a society just to go out and spend our money. So we look at things in payments. We look at things in, can I afford this new phone, this new whatever? Okay. And so most people spend what they're making plus. And that's why you have credit card debt and all that kind of stuff. Consumer but then debt, sure. by, the time, by the time somebody starts making a little bit more income and they maybe have now are stressed out, they now say, I want to work to get out of debt. And okay. that takes a few years. Okay. So the person works to get out of debt. And now they say, now I need to get serious about savings. And I honestly think, oh my gosh, I'm 40. I have only got 25 years left if you're going to retire at 65 or whatever it might be. And they start getting a little scared. So they get serious about it. Typically, the kids are a little bit older uh, at that point if you've got kids. But I, I would just say that I think that 40, for whatever reason, is a time that people start getting serious. Obviously, there's people who do a good job saving prior to 40. But I would say the statistics are, you, if you look at it, most people don't really get serious about that until around 40. Sure. And I think uh, what you're speaking to is a fundamental skill around almost being honest regarding reality. Can I afford this? Uh, what do I need to plan for? Can I keep living this way? Is this right? Absolutely. I think, you know, when you go talk to most people, uh, you know, they get a raise and that instantly means I can afford a nicer car. I can afford a bigger house. They convert that into I can buy more versus, oh, now I could actually save more. Most people don't think that way until again, later when they've learned some hard realities that, hey, by the way, if I keep spending everything I got, I still don't, I, I got stressed no matter how much I'm making. Sure, sure. And it can run out. And it can run out. Absolutely. Yeah. No, what I, I think very few people think about that concept, especially when the 2008 uh, credit crunch happened. I think people thought the party was going to go on forever. Okay. So those are some of the financial fundamentals. Yeah. What so I think the other is, is to think through what do you, when you think about retirement and we have, by the way, a lot of our clients that, you know, most people think of the idea of retirement in this, if you visualize it, because we see pictures all the time that it means I'm going to play golf every day. I'm going to go to the walk on the beach every day. I'm basically going to have a life of leisure. And the reality is people get real bored real fast. I mean, we work with a lot of folks that retire and they want to do that. But after about a year, they start going, okay, I can't just do nothing all the time. I need to go do these other things. And so I think for a younger person, let's just use the, the 40 that we've been talking about is to figure out what, what does retirement, what do you want retirement to look like for you? Uh, you know, because it might be that a person's 40 and going, I never want to be in a position that I don't have a productive life. So maybe I don't work for this, this corporation, mm -hmm. but maybe my goal is I want to go do this other project. I'll give you an example. I had a client that was uh, 50 okay. uh, at the time, and he had done a pretty good job of saving. He knew he was not ready to have retirement for the rest of his life, but he had a goal. Okay. And the goal was to spend two years selling in a sailboat, selling around the Caribbean and doing other things in that area. And he said, Raiden, I'm thinking about taking a couple years off and doing that. And then I'll come back and I'll go back to work again. Okay. And we talked about that for a few years. He actually ended up doing it when he was around 55. And he said it was one of the best things ever. He then came back, worked a couple years. And then what he decided to do was to work in that field because he loves scuba diving. He loves that. He does not make a lot of money, but he makes enough to help, compens uh, to help compensate for maybe some of the shortfall, but he's sure. enjoying it. He's enjoying his retirement. That was his goal. I mean, so he kind of is on the beach all the time, but he's working, you know, he, but so he, he made that work for himself. 
Right. And he's growing with something he loves. So I almost hear there's a life skill around bringing forward the, those wishes, whether it, I don't want to call it the bucket list, but I would say those wishes that the things that people always wanted to do, and now they're finally honoring them. Absolutely. We have another client that um, we talk about all the time. They came to us about 10 years from the actual date of retirement. We worked with them the whole time. And their goal was, is they wanted to sell their house. They wanted to buy an RV and travel uh, the U.S. Okay. They wanted to travel the U.S. And they had a goal of doing that for between five and 10 years, depending upon whether they liked it or not. They've been doing it now, I think, for about six years. And they just live on the road. They go visit grandkids for and stay there for a little bit, but then they're on the road and this is what they wanted to do. And they still have, uh, you know, she still has a small consulting business in the deal. Right, right. So I think it's marvelous because um, you're a, an advocate of your clients writing down their goals. And thinking, Absolutely. thinking through this next phase of their life compared to um, waiting for else, waiting for someone else to give them instructions. So I think in some ways you're, you're, um, you're coaching them to be proactive in the next phase of their life and what they can create. And a part of that is when these individuals have means, you're also having a legacy conversation with them. Absolutely. hundred percent. Yeah. That's a big part of our conversation. And I, and by the way, that legacy conversation, which is pretty huge for us, uh, that legacy conversation honestly changes we find throughout retirement. When it, when, when most people equate everything I think to money, I take care of, I don't know, school for my grandkids, or I want to make sure I leave a certain amount of money to the kids. But right. then they start thinking differently over time and they start looking at it different and saying, I want to make sure that my kids understand, you know, we've done a few of our own podcasts around interviewing somebody who's well down in retirement and going, what do they wish they could have done a little bit different? Or maybe what would they want to teach their grandchild? Maybe they could help them, but they've never really been able to have that conversation. So I think a lot of the legacy is, is knowledge as much as it is money. Absolutely. One of the, the, the things I had wished that my great grandparents had done so my grandfather was a very successful insurance broker during the Great Depression, Herbert Carlton, and I wish he would have written me a letter, but he never did. I wish all of my great grandparents and my grandparents who are also now deceased, I wish that they would have sat down one weekend and wrote a letter, but they didn't know to. Yeah, that's yes. interesting. So, so it is, it is more than the money. Yes, absolutely. A hundred percent. Right. Do you have any inspiring, this is off the script, but do you have any inspiring stories regarding a legacy that one of your clients created that touched your heart? Um, well, we've done a couple of different things. One of the things is I think, I, I know I understand the letter uh, aspect, but we think that uh, a person actually doing a video okay. where they talk through and it just able to express maybe what they're, you know, what they want to see, what they've learned that about life that they would like to pass on. Uh, maybe some of their own stories. Uh, you mentioned in the very beginning, and he wasn't a client, he was my father, but I, you know, in talking so much about that with uh, clients, I will tell you that's one of the biggest benefits we ever did is sit down and I interviewed my dad on video so that I could get those stories on video. And I think those way now I've got kids, my kids 19 and 16, they were smaller, younger when he passed away, but now they get to get get to know their granddad a little bit about some of those stories. I can tell them the stories, probably won't tell them as good as he tells the stories. So because I got that on a, on a video to be able to do that, I encourage all of my clients to, to take a little time and, and not real. It's just like you just said, I think a 
person doesn't believe that a letter from them is that beneficial or a video from them is that beneficial. But I think the person who receives it, they think it's it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think people sometimes when it comes to legacy will knock down the value because like you just said, they don't think that it would be that, that um, impactful, that influential, that heart touching. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. But yet it's, it's what we, I think we need when we talk about like roots and identity and passing on something that, um, you know, in today's world, when there's so many different choices and influences, I think that can be something that's very grounding in one's foundation. Yes. A hundred percent agree. Okay. All right. Um, so let me go on to the next question. Um, how often should a client or anyone review their overall plan? Should it be yearly, every five years? And on a scale of one to 10, how critical is it to have an updated beneficiary and accounts list? So, uh, well, I'll handle both. I think both of those really kind of go down to an annual scenario. Now, by the way, reviewing a beneficiary list is not that difficult. Uh, It's just making sure that nothing's changed. Uh, And a lot of time with our clients says, do you have a new grandchild? Okay, so, oh yeah, I got them and I wanna make sure they're in the mix and I wanna make sure that they're on on the paperwork. As far as reviewing the plan, we believe, especially in the first five years of retirement, it needs to be annually. And the reason why we have yet to have anybody who retired and, and completely understood what the, what their first year of retirement was going to look like. And so, it you know, we, we're only guessing prior to that. Then we go through a year and they go, oh, my goodness, I had this happen or that happen or I got this goal now. I got this thing that I've come up with that I want to try to conquer and so that's going to change the plan. And we find that happening. We review with our clients every year, their overall plan. Sometimes that's really simple. Sometimes okay. that's like everything, nothing's changed. Okay. Honestly, the older a person gets and the longer they are in retirement, the less that happens. But then there's things that have come about that uh, might change it. Uh, you, you, for example, uh, we just were with a client and they were wanting to deal now with a um, one of their children that had developed a scenario where that he was going to need, um, in all essence, some help, special needs. Okay. And so that changes, that changes the plan. You know, uh, there's a whole different goal set that we've got to go through to be able to know how to take care of and help this person. Uh, they want to obviously make sure that they're taken care of when they're not here. Right. And so, you know, that's a whole different set of planning that we got to go through. So, and they're well and in, deep into retirement. So, life happens. And so answer your question. I want to go with annually. Okay. Annually. Yeah. Uh, that's brilliant. Thank you for that answer. And I, I I'm going to get, uh, I'm going to ask this question. It's not in the script. Is there anything that you find that your clients just always miss that would be really good for them to know or to do, but is a common blind spot that they just never see coming? Well, again, I have to come back on that and, and, and kind of, you know, talk about which phase we're at uh, in this whole process. Again, I think it comes, I would say first phase is not understanding their spending plan. We don't like to use the word budget, but but the real spending plan, like what are we going to spend? Most people come in the door on our first visit and we ask them, what are they spending? And they don't really have a good clear, and I know that sounds crazy, you know, but but it's don't they don't know because they don't haven't thought it through. It's okay. not like this is a major event. They just got to think it through. Uh, I would say second phase is, uh, what's the best age to start Social Security? That's a big common factor right now. That's a big, you want to call it a blind spot because most people have think they've been taught they should wait until the latest point. Right. Uh, we show that that's not the case. Uh, in most cases, that's not the case. 
Um, the other one is, and this is a, a weird one, is they do not have an estate plan in place. So they don't have a will. They don't have a power of attorney. I'll give you a quick story. We had a client who had a massive stroke. He was only 70, but he had a massive stroke. And he, because of the way they had things set up, by the way, an IRA, for example, is an individual account. Your spouse cannot access that account if there's not a power of attorney. He didn't have one and could not talk, could not have a word come out of his mouth. Okay. In fact, he's still not. We've just got him to the point where he could actually nod and legally be able to do a power of attorney. But she was in limbo for 45, 50 days, not being able to do anything. So that is essential to have those little basic documents that are not that expensive, not that hard to do, but a lot of people don't do it. Yeah. So that to me is huge. Yeah. So let me highlight uh, for a moment here, you're being a positive role model because you are talking about this. And I think a lot of the times I'm going to make this up and then I want you to agree or disagree. I think a lot of the times people don't do these exercises or activities because they don't see someone else doing them. And then it, it makes them almost feel like they have to be the first. Well, I, okay. I will partially agree. Okay. The, 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 the biggest thing I think it is, is it's overwhelming. So okay. uh, it, it's this idea of it's going to take me forever to do it. Uh, I'm not going to, you know, I got to go meet with somebody. I've got to actually make decisions. I'll give you an example. Again, this is a younger person. They have a baby, okay. a little baby. It is uh, not even two yet. And I kept talking to him about why has he not done his will yet? Okay. And he goes, well, we still haven't made a decision on who would get the baby if something happened to us. And I go, well, if you don't make that decision, I don't care if you make a bad decision, you're leaving it in the, in the court's place to make the decision. Right, because yeah. that's who. If you die with a minor child, correct, uh, and there's nothing in pl place that you've made, the court system is going to make that decision. They're going to make it. So now you're basically saying, "I didn't want to make the decision because I didn't really know if I." I said, "I would think your bad decisions better than the court's decision because they don't know your family." Sure, right? and then the so, child becomes a, a a ward of the court, ward of the state, so on. Right, and now, yep. you, what if you had two sets of grandparents arguing that they think that they are the ones that should get the child? So now we've got a problem there, and right. we just don't think about all those things. And so you know. That, that, that would happen if we don't think about them. And I'll get, you know, another example, the person just was uh, uh, riding a motorcycle. Again, he's around uh, 60 okay. and hit a deer. And now all of a sudden he's at, life has changed in a split second. Right. And that can, so we, if we don't have things in place ahead of time uh, that spells out our wishes, okay. then it, it's, it, it makes a lot of problems that we don't think about. You might not know about it. You might be unconscious or dead, but either way, you've, that problem is there. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And I used to live in Yorktown, Virginia and lots and lots of deers yeah, yeah. jump out in front of the, the cars. Yeah. That's where I went to middle school and high school. Okay. Let's talk real quick about guilt. Many times people feel like if they pull money out of their retirement accounts, they get overwhelmed with the emotion of guilt. What do you think that is all about and or what can help? So I agree with that. Uh, that's a huge for us. We talk about that all the time. It goes back to what I said earlier that everybody is concerned about running out of money, no matter how much money they have. Mm. Um, I have a, a lady who's basically living on her social security. She's okay. now 78 years old. She, she called me up a couple years ago and she has about $3 million saved. She doesn't touch any of it. And she said, Hey, Ray, I want to know to be replaced in the kitchen. And I'm trying to figure out, should I go back with linoleum or can I afford to put in hardwood floors? And, you know, it was an easy thing for me, but I took her through an exercise 
And I said, you can easily, easily afford to go ahead and get you some hardwood floors. Guess what she did? Linoleum. And the reason why is because you think about it, in order for a person to have a a good amount of money, they had to be a good saver. So for decades, they work and save, work and save, work and save. And then in a moment, in essence, when they retire, they no longer work and have an income stream coming in, number one. And number two, they're going to do the opposite of what they did for decades, and that's to pull money out of what they saved. And it's an emotional hurdle. It's the opposite of what you've done for 20, 30 or more years. Mm -hmm. And so a big part of our process is showing them the money coming out and what it looks like. So letting them see, hey, if I pull this money out, it's it's okay. It's what you did it for, and it's okay to do that. And 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 then we'll have to take a person like we'll take a person down and show them how that plays out. And then we'll talk about, hey, let's add a fun fund, an extra thing to go do some fun stuff. Right. Right, A separate allocation. But I will tell you that a big part of what I do is uh, is mental coaching. I mean, I mentally am coaching somebody through the process of what this looks like because it's difficult for anybody. Yep. Well, you're asking them to change. Exactly. Yeah. And you're also asking them to continuously grow. And that's where I come back to that concept of taking personal agency, because when we no longer have school teachers and principals and, you know, parents yelling at us to, you know, do our homework and all that, we find ourselves sometimes, I think, stagnant. And then we can almost become afraid to take that next step because nobody's yelling at us. Like, if you don't wash the dishes, you won't get your allowance. Obviously, you're 50, 40 years old. No one's going to be yelling at you about an allowance. It's still that personal... um, internal motivation or a great financial advisor or coach that will inspire and educate them to keep growing. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk gig economy and then I'll wrap up with your personal legacy. So while most of your clients are in retirement or they're about to enter retirement, what do you think the future will look like when Generation Z and millennials are living in a gig economy? Do you think they're going to save as much or, or any, any insights about that? Um, okay. So I think we can look historically at different generations that were raised during different things. So you could have a generation that grew up during World War II or a, gen- a generation that went through the Great Depression. Uh, my dad, for example, lived through the Great Depression and that molded who he was going forward. Uh, he was a very, very a uh, hard worker, but a very, very good saver. Um, you take, I think, the, the kids today that are going through a pandemic. I mean, that if you're coming of age during a pandemic, your brain is likely going to be set around this idea of what's the next big item that's going to potentially hurt me one day down the road where life changes. Sure, sure. And how do I navigate this? So as they get older and they think about saving or business life or whatever, I think that yes, they're going to think about this. What if? Because we would we couldn't dream up that we were going to all be in a scenario in the United States sure. with a pandemic like we've had for the last couple of years. So I think now uh, people's brains start to move into that direction of how do I build something that fits even that. Um, so I think that yes, I think that they will probably be better savers because uh, one of the things we've saw even through the pandemic is that credit card debt and those kind of things have been being paid down. We saw that after 08 as well, but now we're seeing it again today. Um, and I think that's just the conscientious person. My son is 19 years old. 
He's very concerned about saving, very concerned about how does he build uh, good credit. Uh, I mean, these are things he's concerned about. And, and it's all off this idea. Yes, he did go out and start investing at 18, uh, like all the, a lot of the kids did through Robin Hood and all those different places. He did yeah. all that. He has his own account in Charles Schwab. That is not something I ever thought about at 18. Yeah. Yeah. I think so I think that this group right now might be taking a lot of risk, but that risk will soon they'll learn how to mitigate that risk. You know, like right now for my son, if he invested uh, $500 and lost all of it, it's not a big deal to him. Not because he has a lot of money. It's just, he doesn't understand the concept yet that, Oh, I just lost five. Cause this is $500 that he himself made and earned. And earned so it's not yes. money I gave him that he could lose. You know, he made it, he earned it, he lost it, he wasn't good. And actually he's already kind of moving down the path after only a year of like saying, Hey, I don't want to take that risk right now. I don't want to go risk that. Although it might be on the social media threads and says, go buy this or that. He's already calming down on that threshold of okay. risk. So I think we'll see that more and more and more as he gets older. So, I mean, you know, by the time he's whatever, 25 or so, he's going to have probably a very good understanding of the stock market but his risk tolerance will be different than it was when he was 18, taking a huge risk. Absolutely. Very insightful. And final question, what would you like your personal legacy to be? And what values do you get to honor by uh, defining, developing, and executing your legacy? Um, I think ultimately I would want people to, to, to know that I uh, looked at all aspects of life and that I put the most important things first. And um, what that for me is, is, you know, uh, uh, spiritually, family, that those were the more important things to me than running a business or uh, making money or doing any of those things that they could tell, like if they could look at my life and they could say, no, 100%, he liked what he did for business, but that was not his priority. These other things were those, that, that was his priority. And I want that to be something that my kids remember or anybody remember, and that's their life too. That, you know, because I went through a phase when I was younger where work was, if you looked at me on paper, work was more important than other things because I did so much time at it. I think yeah. today you see that being way more balanced. Sure. When you were building your kingdom. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and so, yeah. So the fruit of your life then will be family, your acts of the spirit and so on. Correct. Yeah. Lovely. Okay. Well, um, thank you. Uh, Raiden, for speaking into some of the important fundamentals and life skills, whether the individual viewer or listener that is watching or listening is of the millennial generation, or if they find themselves about to enter retirement or in retirement and trying to understand how do they navigate this new lifestyle, um, given the landscape right now today, but also the in internal landscape of, like you had spoke about coaching mindset. you know, how, how do they keep growing? Um, and reaching for you know, their next higher purpose, their next set of goals in life, whether they write it down, whether they don't write it down. So I just wanted to acknowledge that you're bringing that education forward. And I think it's just incredibly important to have these conversations because if we're not having them, as I've said before, in schools or in churches, temples, synagogues, or any other public place, and they're not happening at the kitchen table, I think that we need to have these conversations here and now on podcasts and, and other platforms so that people can start to brainstorm new questions as well as new answers um, so they're not just stuck. Yes. I agree with you 100%. Okay. And what is the best way for a listener or a viewer to find you? 
I would say the best place is to go to our website, which is uh, P-O-M for peace of mind, P-O-M-Wealth.net. And uh, I always encourage people to go check out the uh, blog page. We have tons of articles there that we write uh, every single week. We have a new article that comes out. Our podcast page is there as well. And all of our podcasts are all listed there. And uh, so I think that's the best way to get to, to know us or to learn some about what we, what we do and, and how they can get ready for and live through retirement. Lovely. Well, thank you, Raiden very much for your time. And to the viewers and listeners out there, please like, subscribe, and share with your friends and family. And until next time, keep defining, developing, and executing your personal legacy. Thank you so much for joining.